Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Hey, what's up? I'm Zane, and this is the space where I like to share my conversations with some of my favorite artists right here on Apple Podcasts, the Zane Lowe interview series. Catchy, right? Uh, what can I say about Action Bronson? It's pretty hard. I mean, you know, he's such a charismatic, charming dude. That's a good place to start. And from there, you start diving into his passions because that's all he's ever done in his whole life. Um, Action Bronson is someone who follows his joy, follows the space that he feels most excited in, and finds himself contributing and adding value every step of the way. Let's talk about rap. It started with Action Bronson being a fan, hanging out with his friends in the back of the bus like everybody else, sharing tapes and trading freestyles and learning how to do it. He then manifested that, turned it into an ambition, and the ambition came real. And in doing so, he changed the shape of rap music and brought it back to some of that really feel-good, dusty sound that some of us grew up with, but kept it modern and updated. He's instrumental in helping to do that. Let's talk about food. Action Bronson spent time in kitchens. That's how he made a living before rapping took off. And when it did, he made sure he turned it back around and came back to food, creating That's Delicious, the incredible television format in the process. And now he's branched out into creating ice cream, cookbooks, and anything else culinary. He's a culinary artist as much as a music artist. And now... We find out that he's a painter and he's actually selling paintings, like legit selling great paintings and doing gallery exhibitions. This is the life that you want to live. This is the life that is based around your passions and your joys. And that's why Action Bronson is a joy to talk to because he lives his life with pure joy. So enjoy the joy right here is me and someone who I really like as a human being, dive into his life and get deeper into all that space. A rare, deep and meaningful life talk with the one and only Action Bronson right here on Apple Podcasts. I feel like you've been uh, searching for personal growth of late and you've grown a lot since I've known you, you know, in all the traditional metrics of value, visibility, ambition, I'd hope financially, all the things that you hope for for good people. But I feel like you've been turning the mirror inward a little more and taking a look at how you've been living your life. Is that fair to say? I feel like, uh, you know, most, I would say that if that didn't happen to you during this forced stop, then you became drunk or you became just really extra fat and just less ambition and depressed. I just turned it all around. I, I I took time to look at me. Like I just had a baby earlier on last. I mean, later on last year, mm. November. Mm. So you know, it's just reflection, reflection on on what's going on because I haven't really had time to see what I've done in my life up to this point, and it's been pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's been ups and downs. It's been all kinds of shit, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, we got to know each other because of rap, which I'm forever grateful for. And then I got to realize that you were more of a renaissance man. Um, yeah, rapper, rap fanatic, rap fan. Uh, you know, you are a, a um, patron of the culinary arts as, as well as a creator in the kitchen. You uh, move in the abstract art world as a painter now as well. Um, developed a strong personality on the television. There's a lot of strings to your bow, my friend. And um, just like doing fun, sh- all these things are very exciting to me. You know, all these things make me happy. These are these are the things that bring me peace, bring me calm. What were you like as a kid before you really leaned into any of these things? Because that's that's not a peaceful time, right? When you're a kid, restlessness comes along with the territory. 
is a disruption about being young. You know, how are you? How are you? How would you? What would your mom say? <laughs> I mean, I think my mother would say I was a beautiful child. <laughs> she would. Uh, she would always say that. Growing up where I grew up, I was able to just do what I do early on. So I would just go out, play basketball. As soon as I woke up, I wouldn't have to ask anybody. I'd just go. I'd just come home, you know? It was like that. There was none of this distraction around, and you'd meet your friends, and da 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 I just liked always doing things. I always liked being outside. I always liked playing handball. I always liked just standing somewhere or playing video games somewhere or being the pizzeria. For those that don't know, like being, where were you? Where was this? Where was home? Well, this is Flushing Queens, mm. um, you know, corner stores, pizzerias, dry cleaners, Chinese food, key food, getting the old Italian man cutting hair, the shoemaker. There's no more shoe. There's one thing that there's not that many in New York. It's a shoemaker. That's true. It was a shoemaker on the corner, you know, a little travel agency. Who the fuck knows why? No one going anywhere in that neighborhood. It's always like, you know, these kind of like photocopied pictures of places you want to go. You know what I mean? That there, there, was exactly. no, there, there was no glossy brochure pictures cut out. It was literally photocopied sort of faded pictures of, of Greece. It doesn't change now, man. The store that we always used to chill at, the corner store, you know, everyone used to have their breakfast. There was a little short order cook in there. And, you know, all the neighborhood characters, like the older people would be there in the morning. You'd see them when you go get your blunt. Mm. I'd go downstairs, wake up, go get a vanilla Dutch, you know? <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, you, we're talking about Apache right here. We're talking about Naughty by Nature right here. That's that era, right? If you're, <laughs> if you're rolling a Philly Blunt and getting a vanilla Dutch, you know, you're listening to Apache, right? <laughs> <laughs> Apache, I love Apache. He's underrated. Underrated. You know, during, during those days, I was wearing Carl Kanai and playing basketball. Watching the older guys smoke blunts, you know? I was more DMX and Mob Deep, you know, that type of era. Mm. Going downstairs in my underwear, getting a blunt, or get it, having the Chinese food delivery guy bring the blunt with the food, bring several blunts. You know, it was just, it was that type of party. Once in a lifetime opportunity to grow up in a place like Flushing Queens, being a young kid at that time, listening to that kind of music and recognizing that, you know, those streets were yours as much as anybody else's. You're born and raised there. Is there's an authenticity to that? I mean, being from Auckland, New Zealand, I listened to those records. I had to imagine it that me and my friends had to cultivate an environment we felt was equivalent for, for where we were growing up, right? Which was not that. But we were looking for that yeah. level of, of connection that you talked about, being in the street and things happening spontaneity, community, friendships. We were trying to find yep. that in, a, in quite a sleepy town in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. You had it on your doorstep. I'd imagine you saw some shit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been on this earth now 36 years, you know? I've definitely seen a lot of crazy shit. And I've also been around the world. So mm. through these eyes is something else, you know? It's really something else. When you were growing up in Flushing, just, just for people that don't know, what was the code? What was the code for you and your friends and, and for the neighborhood in terms of how you carried yourself and how you made sure that you, you showed up right every day? I don't know that there was so much a code. We were all just learning. You know, at that age, when we were young, we were just learning what the hell was going on. But we knew to stick together. You know, even from 
I don't know what you call it, but it's called elementary school here. <laughs> it's when you're young, <laughs> right before middle school. Nicely noted. It is, it is different all over the world. You are correct, sir. I remember we would, all the homies, we would all, all we had to do was bring a little note from our parents saying that we could go out for lunch. And we're 10, 11 years old. And we would all, five, six of us, seven of us, leave the school, go out for lunch, go walk to Casino Boulevard, which was, you know, 20 minutes away, come back late. And this was, you know, early stuff, but we all stuck together. Mm. At that time, they had the guy in the white van, which was kidnapping children. So we all knew that, you know, something was going to go down. They weren't going to take all of us. Did they have that in New Zealand? They had the white van guy? No, no, not not to my memory. We had some up crimes though i mean we have some weird sh- like just because you're far away in fact because you're far away no I've, exactly i mean there's shit everywhere yeah of course but yeah. this is like there was some guy in queens just snatching children that. up in a white van yeah uh, so i mean i'm sure it's happened many times but this specifically one of my friends almost got snatched up but he kicked and got away wow it's pretty crazy that's crazy yeah. how long after that did they catch the guy? Assuming they caught Who the guy. Who knows? We didn't. We don't know. We didn't check. And we weren't looking at the news. We were going. We were playing basketball. And at that age, morning. right? I mean, that's the kind of that's a, as a parent, that's a parent's worst nightmare. Could only imagine. As a kid, you're kicking some guy, and to get him off you, the fir- your, your first reaction, I'd imagine, <clears throat> if if I'd been with my friends, would be like, you wouldn't fucking believe what just happened to me. Exactly. You just, what the hell has just happened? Your parents would be out of their mind, but you guys, dare I say, probably found something to to rag on well, each other about that. Yeah. Of course. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's I was just speaking about this earlier with somebody who has children and has a child. And, it's, you know, when we were growing up, it was kind of like out of mind, you know, out of sight, out of mind. You feel invincible. You know, the kid was out. Like, the parent knew the kid was outside. Like, they knew I was outside. Who, yeah. knows, who knows what I was thinking? I was doing all kinds of craziness. Yeah. But they didn't need to know exactly what I was doing, or else they would be freaked out. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. You know, just my, they don't know it's better. Do you carry that same hands-off philosophy as a parent now, given that the world has changed and you're now on the other side of the table? You know, it's, it's just a little bit different for me. I, you know... Let's see. Let's see what happens. I think that I definitely am a more laid back parent. There's no doubt about it. I want the children to have real experiences. I want them to work. Father always fucking told me everything that I was doing was building character. I was just fucking hate it. You know, like I literally hated it. But as you sit back and right now you, you think back, like that's really what it was. All the bullshit you have to do, like fucking dumb shit. building character, mm. you know? You have to do shit that sucks is what I've learned. Mm. I've heard it from, you know, a lot of wise people. You have to do things that can suck to build yourself, to build character, and, you know, to be able to enjoy the real momentous times. Is this around the time in the early 90s or whatever that you started to kind of meet your friends? Is this when Body shows up, Mayhem shows up? Like, because this, this group, of, group of friends of yours have become so defined. You've defined, helped define each other. Um, you really, yeah. you, know, you know, it's a strong circle. Yeah, I met Mayhem. I met Mayhem 13, Body 16. Me and Mayhem went to the same junior high school. We've been friends ever since. Mm. 
all we used to do was talk about rap and clothes and, you know, meet each other on the last car of the train and fucking wearing wallabies and all kinds of guest jeans and different types of Nike fucking Air Maxes. You got the low in theory in your Walkman. Yeah, you know, all kinds of, yeah, we would literally be playing, uh, me and him would have all the new shit, and we would have all the shit that no one else would be listening to also, like West Coast Most Wanted, and <laughs> just weird shit, because yeah, I'd buy all the tapes that were at the spot, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. You're discovering rap, you're getting all the tapes. The fucking, the Damu Blood Lowriders, or whatever they call it, like they have, the, they have specific Blood and Crip CDs, you buy those just to listen to all the different kinds of stuff, you know? Channel Live. Channel Live, for sure. There's no doubt about that. Oh, man, they were... I mean, Madism is Madism. probably... Madism! That's, I mean, that's the one, you, you know? Crazy. Crazy. That's when the radio was good. Radio was playing shit like that back then, you know? Jamming all the fire, like you were talking about. Mm. Apache. Mm. I was just thinking about nine. Do you know, remember nine? I do. What you want, man? Man, clips for my nine. <laughs> I was a funk master flex artist. <laughs> One of the greatest. I mean, what? I mean, you got to listen. Like, the, this is the stuff we... Angie Martinez. Again. Red Alert. No. You. Future Flavors. Future Flavors was a crazy show. Mm. Uh -huh, 97 back in the day. Future Flavors has played all the underground. I used to, I used to just do some pilgrimage to New York, and I get in the back of the yellow cab out of, out of what's the uh, what's the one in Jersey, Newark, because this is cheaper. Newark. Into Newark, and then I'd just be like, "Yo, put put Hot Nine Seven on in the back and turn it up, please." <laughs> <laughs> and they just do it every time, and then just you'd hear whatever the anthem was. First song that you heard on the radio was your song of that trip, and that's what it was. You know, J. Rue the Damager, come clean. You know what I mean? Okay, that's the mm. song. You know, that's all it is, you know, that's and that's and that's kind of Lord Tariq and Peter Gunn. That was all over the radio. You could you could turn on the radio at any time and that'd be on. What about the spring of ninety-seven? What you want? What is that? What is that called? What is that called, Thomas? No. No, that's Clown me like that? Come on, man. That song? Oh, that my gosh. A, listen, that Benjamins. Song right. I, that's, I feel know? like Hot 97 had playlisted one song that spring. That was it. Talk about Summer Rain Carl Thomas that made me think of that. Mm. I don't know why. Hey, uh, that transition from fan to, to artist, that moment when you decided to actually be a part of it and not just listen to it and nerd out about it. Um all those early days, like, like, what was it like when you first started experimenting with that with Mayhem and stuff? It was all about one-liners. I was the guy that tried to make everyone laugh with the <laughs> one punchline. That's all I had. I swear, that was my, that was, that's what, that was my whole thing. That was my shtick. It was, it was coming up with cars, the color of, and trying you make, to make you laugh with one-liners. Ridiculous. I, the same thing that I do now. <laughs> just more developed. Yeah, you know, like when Uncasa and like Jadakiss come through in the car the same color as fucking pancreas juice or something. <laughs> it was always trying to get a get a kick out of something like that. Uh, like I remember Uncasa said his car was the color of hot tomato. <laughs> he gave you a temperature 
and a fucking fruit that everyone thinks is a vegetable in one line. And you in one line, you know it's and you know it's hot red, hot tomato. How else do you describe colors? <laughs> you can only do it through food. You can only do it through food. Nah. Yeah, if it was through food, through dance, dance. through spiritual, That's true. you know, spiritual um, reenactments. It was sports for you for a minute too, wasn't it? I know that you were pretty, I mean, you talked about how dedicated you were to being outside and how, you know, you used to play basketball and handball and everything else and you used to go down the batting cage and all that stuff. And every, every sport you could imagine that you could play, I played. But at some point... Continually winks. <laughs> at some point, you got to make a call. At some point, you have to decide like, all right, what am I going to actually put more attention into? Um, because you can't succeed in sport. I mean, it's hard enough to succeed in well, music. Well, I put a lot... But sports is like point point 0.3% of the people that start playing sports as a kid because everyone starts playing some yeah. sport as a kid. It's almost mandatory. And then it, it, and it whittles down to a funnel that's like point 0.3 or 0.5% of all people who start actually get through that funnel into something professional. I mean, it's insanely difficult. Of course. Well, I played high school baseball and I played high school football. Mm -hmm. But then I really focused on chilling and smoking weed. Into rap. <laughs> yeah, and rap. You know, and rap music and, you know, trying to have sex. Music. That's really what that was. That becomes, yeah. and then the focus is music and food. Now, the way the story goes is at some point you could have gone down full time and you were employed as a chef, but you, but that could have been your, your, your sort of primary focus. Again, somebody who's been spoiled with options through talent, natural talent and curiosity. And, and ultimately you had to double back around to food once your rap career took off. That was, I guess, the shortcut to attention and success but why not food at the time was it a tough decision to make yeah but how do you think that that was a? I mean it's easy to say now that that might have like the path that i chose was not a shortcut to success There's, like you said you're talking about athletes how many fucking rappers like you know what i mean actually make it to to the point where i'm at especially coming from my neighborhood nobody especially over there mm. and not, it's not it's not just that it's just you know when you have you have all kinds of things stacked against you you know i'm just not a typical type of rapper you know i'm just all over the place i'm very different i'm unique you know i'm a modern new age type of rapper you know i'm built off the school it's really what it is i'm built with all those values but with all these with the mind of some other, I don't know, with, with, with the mind to do so many other things and to, you know, with so many other interests. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? Definitely. I'm glad you pointed that out. And I want to talk a little bit about that that journey because you you rightfully, you know, you put it in the right framework. So there are challenges yeah. to achieving success in that space for yourself. Unique is a longer road. You're correct. And I mm. wonder, like, how being real. But I didn't realize that. You know, I didn't like to fully realize that, you know, and so it, when you really look back at it, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, it's, fucking, it's definitely stacked against you, you know. When was that? When, when was it most challenging? When did you really feel? When did it? When did it really dawn on you that this was no longer something that you you could do for fun and everyone else would get it? That there was a, a requirement to fit in in order to grow to the next level to some degree, unique or otherwise. You've got to you've got to cross those tough bridges, right, of acceptance and an art form which is really brutal about accepting new talent. Hmm. It, the thing was never about acceptance because since two thousand and ten, so it was like accepted, you know. 
it was because no one at that time was no one doing like no new person that was coming out was doing this style of music that we do, mm. you know, with New York lyrics and crazy beats and shit like that. I don't even know what New York lyrics means. <laughs> Just, you know what I mean? You know, because everyone, everything was going towards snap and, and trap. You know what I mean? I, I don't even know. Like snap was, you know, but not that. But I'm talking like trap music and more. I get it. Down when no one was going towards the other way, the original form of, you know. Here's what great rap New out York of. New York style of hip hop. Great New York style of hip hop paints a picture so specific and detailed that, that if you're not in New York, you can taste it, smell it, and feel it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and at that time, you could every, everyone could check 2010. No one was doing that. I ushered that new era back in. And I, I feel like that was accepted head over heels because people were wanting something like that. They were mm. loving that. And like my mother would tell you, I'm just a fucking lovable guy. For real. Like, I, I'm just a humble guy. I'm just like everybody else. I'm hardworking, blue-collared. I'm fucking serious about my shit. But, you know, we're, we're here on this earth for a short time, so I like to have fun. Mm. I like to enjoy myself. I like to do all the things that I like, you know. Who were you hanging out with around that time? Who got it? Who got it? It was, it was mayhem, really. But other mayhem artists, Loren always the ones you weren't friends with, when you, when you started putting music out, Artists connect to artists. It's a, it's a, it's oh, yeah. a, it's an attraction thing. You know, it's funny. Like, I first really started recording by myself in East New York. Jamaica Avenue and Van Sicklin. Underneath a deli. You know, those things that you walk over all the time? Mm -hmm. And they usually store things underneath there mm -hmm. in the basement? Yeah. My man, P.F. Cutton, had a studio down there. And down in that studio, people like... Master Killer and Little Dap and Nutcracker from Group Home would be in the studio sometimes, you know what I mean? Hanging out. And dudes like that in East New York and Sean Price, rest in peace, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, those are the types of people that I really started doing this around. So they would always be like, damn, it's crazy, you know? Like, and, no, and those dudes from around there that were going into that studio. And they, you know, that helped make me realize that, yeah, I could always do, I guess, you know, I got this. Mm. And then when you start meeting bigger artists and they're fucking with you and, you know, movie stars and this and that and everybody that you fucking meet in the world, they all have a story and they love you and they watch it with you. They watch the show with the wife. They listen to the music let's with get the Micah, Let's get Micah on the rap side of things before we, before we pivot into, into the other parts of no, this No, but what I'm picture. saying is like, what I mean is like, you know, it's, it's just... There's always a story of something, you know, like how they've bonded over with their family over something I've done, which is a beautiful thing. Mm. To go from where I was to now, it's pretty serious. And like I said, during this whole fucking bullshit, it's really allowed me to turn the mirror on to myself, reflect, give myself some flowers, put more years on my life, really enjoy my family. Mm. And think about the future, plan, strategize. 
One of the things I had to recognize in the last few months, really, and I, I've always been very conscious of it or tried to be conscious of it, but in this particular era right now, it required a more sort of microscopic analysis from my point of view and more in-depth analysis yeah. is how I was inspired um, by black culture and black music, how it motivated me to want to dress, create music, who I hung out with, even how I spoke with my friends and used hip hop you know, vernacular. Um, I was all consumed and to some degree it helped, you know, really helped to carve who I am. It's introduced me to yeah. friends. It's introduced me to friends. And, absolutely, you know, it's, it's something that I've had to kind of really acknowledge in a deeper way rather than just in a sort of like thank you way, but like, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean really to the community that, that created the music? And um, and I wonder if that's something that you've kind of, I know you've always been aware of it, but same thing. I mean, you know, as, as an artist right now, um, you know, how important it is that we show up right now and, and, and reflect and acknowledge it in a deeper way. I mean, absolutely. Uh, when you grow up, you don't, you know, luckily I grew up with, I grew up the right way. You know what I mean? Where you're not, you're not thinking about that type of thing. They're just friends. Everyone is just friends. All different colors, all different types of people, especially mm. growing up in Flushing. Mm. I was exposed to cultures that were like Bangladeshi and Loatian. Like, how do you, these are, most people never even meet those type of people in their, in their world, you know? And I'm in Flushing, Queens, you meet all these different types of people from Sri Lanka. My, one of my best friends, his family is Honduran. And, um, Italian and Puerto Rican and this and that, everything, every mix, me, Albanian and my mother's Jew. I don't, that's not a, you know, it's not a nationality, but you know, Eastern European. That's like a crazy mixture. If you can tell somebody you meet that type of person, you know, it's not. So we're all kinds of, we're all kind of much, you know, everyone is mixed all up, all up. And when you grow older, you realize what type of crazy world you're living in. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, of course, I I always wanted, I mean, the people I looked up to, black people, Spanish people, white people, all, all kinds of people that you would want to emulate, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's how you, that's how you, that's how you're built. That's how I'm built. You know, I have a little piece of everybody. I, when I, I absorb culture, for sure, there's no doubt about that. Me too. And I immerse myself in it because I, I, I love it. I enjoy it and I respect it. You know, that, that's really what it is. Like if I go to another country, I'm not the fucking American guy all crazy acting like a fucking idiot. No, I'm obviously I stick out like a sore thumb, but I'm trying to blend in as much as I can because I have respect for how things are. It's like, you're not going to, you know, I don't know, man. I'm just not. I'm just that guy. I, I respect everybody and I, I love everybody. You don't want to be a consumer Equally. like that. No, I, I have my own thoughts. Yeah. I have my own thoughts and my own feelings and I know what's right in my heart. Yeah. And uh, there, there's no music without black music, you know? Period. All some most amazing music, you know? Like all I do is listen to music from around the world, from Brazil, black music, from Africa, black music. Portuguese, Portugal, black music. Some of that you know, deep 1973 era South Korean funk you turned me on to on that Live of the Moon playlist. Black music, man. Where the fuck are they hearing that type? Exactly. That's what I mean. It's, you know, Vietnamese music, Thai music, all that shit from around the Vietnam War. Mm. Black music. Mm. You know, it all has that influence. All the music that we love to sample for hip hop, that's what it is.
One of the last times that we uh, we got to spend any time together was a somber occasion, and yet, you know, you still made it feel like a family occasion, and everyone did because we were celebrating his life. And I know that, you know, you developed a friendship with Mac and that, you know, his passing affected everybody who knew him, even in a small level right through to a major level and in a big way because he made great first impression on people. He was a deep, honest, and been just a very sound dude. Um how was it when, you know, you guys first connected and, uh, and, and how did you embrace each other musically? Because I feel like he was an artist artist and when he got you, he really got you and he really wrote for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was just, you know, we, we were just fans of each other. He really wanted to do music with me and Alchemist and he came over to the house and, you know, we ended up doing that song on his album called Red Dot Music and we were up all night and doing it we were in the studio it was just like it was like your little brother was there you know like oh he's like cheering you on and fucking smiley and just happy in general you know just fucking just happy to be doing what he's doing yeah you know smoking a lot of weed making sure all his boys were good he was a good kid man mm. he's a good kid yeah a, a, a good kid just a, a shock the way that we lost the world lost Mac. Um, just not the kind of person you would have thought that would have slipped that way. And um, but it is prevalent in music and in entertainment. You know these coping mechanisms, which become just a byproduct of of you know of of lifestyle and this crazy experience. And I wonder how you've navigated that. He and- was a very young man. I'm sorry, Jane. Go ahead. No, Go please. Ahead. I, no, I want you to continue your thought, please. No, what I was saying was he, he was like I was just going off what you were saying. I was just overstepping because that's what I'm known to do. My my girl always gets upset at me for not allowing her to finish. The I sentence. would be insulted if you if you were half stepping. I would be insulted if you were. <laughs> Ain't no half stepping on this show, bro. Oh man, uh, what I was gonna say was he was so young. He got he was so he was famous so young. It's it's not easy to be famous, you know. He's rich. He's famous can do what he wants and he still has all this time ahead of you like by that time like me myself i didn't fucking start doing anything until 27 i went through a lot of fucking craziness before that bullshit that once again builds character and builds toughness and builds a skin and builds a mind frame stupid shit though stupid We're- decisions Lots of crazy decisions, stupid decisions, working extra hard, yeah. changing jobs, having to fucking figure shit out, figure life out, you know, working hard labor, construction jobs where you're not skilled. So all you have to do is fucking carry heavy shit all day long. You know, it's not fun. So you eat a lot of shit and then, you know, something clicks and then you figure things out and you're usually okay from there. But you realize what a lot of people that famous young, She's not able to to cope and handle that because you you're not you don't really go through a lot of shit. And I'm not saying that's that was his case. I'm just saying I've seen shit like that. Me too. You know, we are not allowed to grow. You're not allowed to grow normally or naturally and have to go through fucking some hard shit. What happens is the artists, um, ultimately, a lot of artists, in my experience at least, they, they, they get to a place of creativity in order to try to find some kind of value within themselves because something might be fractured. So it's a way to express oneself. That ultimately leads to some form of applause or acceptance, but that acceptance is based on what you do, not who you are. And then there's a desire for you to stay in that space because I like what you do. So keep doing that for me. That's the trade I need. And that's where the arrest of development. It's not easy. That's where the arrest 
Arrested Development kicks in. It's so hard to create, you know, like someone can think you've created masterpiece, masterpiece, and then like someone else would think you've created, and then you just, how do you, like, they want you to recreate this or do that or keep, it's hard to fucking keep creating fucking things everyone is going to like, you know, not everyone is going to like everything. Artists are sensitive. Very sensitive. But let me say this. I don't know. I'm just talking from my, my own mind. I'm a, I'm a fan of music. I'm a fan of the history of music. I'm a fan of everything like that. When you look at the people who have done the funkiest fucking music, the craziest music that you can imagine, we're all fucked up on drugs. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think that sometimes when you're so caught up and you're such, you want to, you're such a rock star that sometimes you could want to emulate people of the past. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I know, like... Imitation theory. Monk, man, I want, yeah, I want to take some fucking... I want to take some heroin. Maybe I can make some crazy shit like that. Or I, got, I need to smoke some DMT to fucking be out of space like this. Or I need to fucking be on LSD like George Clinton. I nearly lost friends. I nearly lost friends because of that. That's what I mean. It's like, oh, I got to fucking, you know, fucking Nirvana's the best. Fucking Kurt Cobain or whatever. I need to be on K or whatever the fuck he's on, you know, to be able to make certain music. And, you know, sometimes you get caught up in shit. You get fucking caught up. Yeah, man. Mac was a fucking good dude. He was mm. a good dude. Mm. Definitely a loss. In recent years... um, a TV show has kind of been created, which is just, I, I may have watched this show more times than almost any other show ever. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's some mad chemistry about the, the friendship and the travel and the kind of food that you're searching out and the fact that you find some cadence between the filthiest, most disgusting, awesome burger ever, and then you're out eating this crazy tagine. So I never know what I'm going to get. And then there was this kind of like weird little soap opera that went on with you and Vice, which was all kinds of up and the whole thing just has turned into this great this great era of that's delicious and um so i guess the question is is at the very start like what's the inception of this show like where does this idea come from and how does it begin because it's taken on such a life of its own you know yeah well this really all started for this stems from me being a chef and you know not a chef just a cook just loving food and Mm. being curious and loving discovery um it all really took shape. I was going on tour. Paul Rosenberg was so gracious to take me on tour with him, with Eminem, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, me. Jeez, and, my uh, gosh. Chance that, the Rapper. Oh, that's like Fresh Fest 84. In Australia and New Zealand. That's like and Fresh Fest 84. That's crazy. That's like Houdini, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. That's like, that's crazy. Whoever was at those shows 2013, oh my God, it was next level. It was fucking fun. I directly opened for Eminem in South Africa, <laughs> literally in Johannesburg. It was M, it was me, then M. How many people? You know that fifty five thousand in the rugby stadium. What did you open with? I don't even remember, bro. <laughs> it was raining. It was epic. I was just I went into the fucking crowd. I was just having the time of my life. I might have left the stage for twenty minutes. I was just having the fucking time. I was wearing the Springboks jersey. They were going nuts because it was their stadium. Yeah. Oh, I was like wearing all blacks in, in New Zealand. Good save. You know? Good save. 
Good you save. Know. Well, I mean, you know, there's only I one. I know who I'm talking to. There's only one thing. There's only there's one thing. You know, <laughs> you start throwing you start throwing some rugby analogies around. They might get <laughs> might get testy. <laughs> pun, pun very much intended. Uh, so really, man. I mean, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. These shows were legendary, legendary times. And uh, my man Tom Gould, who's from Auckland. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a lot of videos for me. He works for Polo. Brought him on, on, on the road with me and we just started filming fun shit. You know, fun shit and we mixed it in with food. <laughs> and that spawned off into f- That's Delicious. I was looking for a name. I was watching a video and it was right there. A friend of mine pointed it out. He was like, yo, right there. F- that's Delicious. And that was that. <laughs> That was the end of that. And, and you know, like bringing the, it was originally just me, you know, having my friends come on once in a while. And then we'd go on tour, mayhem, mm. body, mm. Al. Mm. It just turned into this, it just turned into this, you know, this four amigo type thing, you know, this, this discovery trip, finding all the most amazing stuff. Man. And, and what was great was watching it change in time. Like series one was series one. It was American tour. Everyone's there. You're having a great time. I get what this is. This is eat by day, show by night, travel, eat, show. Love it. Great. Speaks to me. All the things I love. I'm making notes of where you're going. If I ever go to Boston, I'm going there. And I wish I could yep. go to the show, but I can't do it all, right? You can. So that's that. That's season one. Then out comes season two, and we start to get all these little subplots coming in. Oh, body's not in not in Europe. Why is that? Oh, we'll <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. But it gives body a chance and you a chance to create a whole new vernacular, a whole new dialect, which is like you know, exactly. It's it's a, there's a looseness to it. There's a subtlety in a gray area, which became part of the plot of the show. Absolutely. And we're all, all of our characters are developing, like I said, because we've gone through some sh- Body has lived life. <laughs> like, he's lived life to the fullest. Al lived life to the fullest. May, we, we live life, you know? Like, we really have experiences to talk about and to, you know, mm. to reflect on and to really bring a dynamic and, and an understanding so people could really feel us. You know what I mean? They really feel what we're doing. They understand. It's, this is real friendship. Like, I've known these men forever, and I'll know them forever. There's a sort of air on the show of um, we ride for action. He's the captain of the ship, but if he doesn't want us around, give him some, sp- give him some space. Nah, it's not even like that. We're all bosses. Yeah. Everyone is, t- listen, everyone is turned into, the, you know, I, of course this is, I've started this show. And, you know, this is my brainchild and my baby. There's no doubt about it. But everybody is their own shining star. Like, mm. if you if we had a convention, everyone's line would be in the same size for, to sign the baseball card. <laughs> we're going to be at those one day. One day we're going to be at a baseball card convention. <laughs> Signing cards, man. It's it's be it's become something else, man. We've been to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. We've been to the best places all around the world, hole in the walls, met some of the most amazing people, had some of the most amazing times on camera, off camera. It's all the same, bro. They're just filming us while we're chilling. This is not a scripted thing. <laughs> 
obviously. And that's what's great about it. No, but- it's not because, you know, even sometimes, you know, when you have a camera on you, you feel like it's you have to do something. This is not that. I don't give a f- Like, I'm just doing what I do. I, I'm literally living my entire life right there for you. Happy as can be. When I drink that wine and I'm drunk, I'm really drunk. <laughs> oh, no, I know. You and the chicken <laughs> in uh, Melbourne. That was... That's real that was a lot. I was really drunk. That was a lot. It's real. I love it. I may never eat wings the same way again. What parts of the world do you genuinely, can you say, captured your heart the most? Like, because you've traveled all over the world now and you've seen some incredible places and and we've seen great edits of that experience. But when the camera was off and you really got to taste and feel and experience the environment and the spirituality of that experience, what place really resonated with you? I mean, I have to always say, you know, I tell you this all the time. New Zealand is one of my favorite places on earth. Man, like now that I've been all up and down, Queenstown to Wellington to Auckland, I I fucking love it. Queenstown was one of the most unbelievable places I've ever been in my life. I've never seen anything so beautiful. It like, feels so small out there, right? It's just yeah, like... Those the, the Remarkables, right? Those are the mountains out there, the Remarkables. Yeah, when you fly oh, over them and it, like, looks, and it looks like giants are buried shallow beneath the grass and beneath the mountain. For real. Spiritual, it's very, man. It's, it's, That's the ancients. It's very lakey, too. It's like... It's mm. like... It was this beautiful, like, water. I don't... It wasn't the ocean. It was a lake in between the mountains. It was just some very, very beautiful scenes. Mm. Um, Australia, I love too, man. I've been oh, like I love Perth specifically because it's so far out of the way, so out of this world. All the most dangerous things in the world are in Perth that yeah. can kill you. Yeah, with one sting or one bite. Very high level of artistic integrity in Perth as well. Great art comes out of Perth. That's what I mean. It's that type of town. I love it. It's it's very very up. It's up my alley. Mm. I love Perth. Mm. I love Paris. I love London. I love Copenhagen. I've been to Copenhagen. I had a good night in Copenhagen, but why Why Copenhagen? You spend more time there than me, clearly. Well, well Copenhagen, first off, this you know, it's a very cool place. Very modern, very chill. Food is unbelievable. There's lots of farmland and there's a lot of, lots of next level gastronomy going on there. Like all the great minds of food go to Copenhagen. There's a lot of great, like, science and shit going down over there. I had a gr- crazy night there one night with Bono, Lars from Metallica, Sean Penn, Razorlight, and Lars's dad, and a bunch of us all just joining this big, long table dinner party thing. It was mad. Sean, nice. P- Sean Penn got up and did a poem. It was very deep. Wow. And the next day. I had dinner with Bono before. Yeah. He's a good talker. Uh, yeah, he was he was a nice guy. Nice guy. He was definitely a nice guy. I've had a lot of crazy dinners with crazy people. Like, who, I've, come on, let's dive know, in. This is the good people that you you wouldn't even ever expect to be together. Give us one. Obano for one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I can't even. I, I'm not even to mention names, bro. Let's just call. Let's just say Bono, because that's a very very weird pairing. Just you and Bono. No, there was six of us. How does that happen? I mean, I know he's got taste, Edge but... Edge wasn't there. Edge, was, Edge, Edge is a gentleman. Edge is a gentleman. Exactly. He doesn't stay out past, past midnight. 
<laughs> How was your experience working with Scorsese? By the way, great scene. That was great scene. When I well, let me just tell you one that when I was in London the other time, the last time I was there, Tom Hardy came through with his children, and we just had a little chill, had a little talk. That's a deep dinner. Yeah, we didn't even have dinner. We were just kicking it. We were just chilling. He's a good dude. I really like him a lot. Beautiful mm. children. Mm. He's a good dude, man. I like Tom. Yeah. Talking about doing jujitsu and shit. Strikes me as the kind of person. I mean, he's not, he's, not, he's, he's, um, I don't know him, but the general feeling I get from people who do is that, um, he is in it for the, for the art and the experience and the curiosity and anything else is just bullshit. Yeah, for sure. He's a real deal. Mm. He's like Daniel Day. Mm. He's a modern day Daniel Day. Christian Bale, same thing. Zero f- given. Yeah, for real. Zero f- Zero. <laughs> I mean, you know, Scorsese, I couldn't even imagine. It's still hard to fathom, you know? It's just unimaginable. How'd you find out? Just How'd you get the De Niro. call? How'd you get the call? Let's go back. Outside, I went. They said that they want you, you know, I got the call. They want you to, what's the audition for this movie? Mm. Scorsese, the Irishman. I, was, I shit my pants. <laughs> day I was going to go there, I was nervous as fuck. I went regardless because you got to show up. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even read what was on the paper because I thought apparently I need glasses. <laughs> so, so the amazing woman who was have you got me, glasses since then? No, 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 no. My eyes got better. They definitely got better. You're in denial. I think it's all the juice I'm drinking. You're in it's denial. All the green juice. You're in denial. I ain't getting I behind the. I ain't I'm getting in a car listen. with you. I ain't getting in a car with you. Can you even drive? Are you kidding me? Are you? Can you drive? even? Can you even drive? Bro, I'm fucking Helio Castro Nevis in this motherfucker. <laughs> Can I drive? The woman from the casting call. Go, let's pick it back up. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dale. I'm Dale Senior. <laughs> before everything bad happens, you're fucking Ricky Bobby's dad. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she gives me her glasses. She's like an older woman. She gives me her glasses. They were they work to a T. Wow. But I'm over here just reading it. I'm like I'm. I don't know how to audition. What kind of glasses are they? Up. Are they like little circular? Like I mean. You know, no, there no, are they men's like, glasses and women's glasses, or are they more unisex? They These were women's glasses. I didn't give a shit. Fair enough. I needed, you know, I figured that that might win me some charm points. It, obviously. I always try to win charm points, for, you know, in some sort of capacity. Mm-hmm. Just, just, it's just in my mind. Sometimes I feel like I have to compensate for the talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't, but, but, but continue to charm. That's fine. <laughs> So I read it. I read for the part that Bo Deedle actually got. You know, the one where he's fucking, he was Hoffa's right hand man. Yeah. He puts the wa- he puts the vodka in the watermelon. He's yeah. like an older guy. Yeah. He was perfect. Obviously, I didn't get that part. They were like, it, let's just put him in the movie anyway. I got the I got the call. You're gonna be in it, but they didn't tell me the scene until you know a little bit after. And then they were like, yeah, you're gonna be in the scene, just you and De Niro. And wait, was was Mark Scorsese in the audition? Or was it the casting agent? No, no, Casting no. agent. Okay, cool. Casting. Got it, got yeah, it, got it. it. So, okay, congratulations. You're going to be in a scene in this movie. Okay, cool. And you're going to be just you and De Niro doing a one-on-one. That's like, what? Yeah. But they told no. They told me it was a walk and talk. That's even rougher. So a fucking walk, a walk. Yeah, no. It's like you walk and talk all the time, but when you try to do it, you're like, fuck. <laughs> I'm over here trying to walk and hit spots and talk at the same time. So, I mean, I don't know if it was good or not. People it's great. People happen to like, yeah, because you like me. But if you just saw that, you're like, yo, this guy ruined the movie. 
I'm just happy I was in it. The pause I after after he's. I know how it wasn't. Go. go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to no, compliment me. Go ahead. I was gonna, exactly. I was going to give you a compliment. Just hold hold that thought and allow me to piss in your pocket for a split sec. That moment, spoiler alert, but that moment when De Niro reveals the the important, because there are some people who won't have had the six hours to watch this thing, you know, which you should, by the way, because it's fucking epic and is and, and the, the length is perfect. So shut up if you think it's too long. You missed the point. Um, but that scene where, where where the reveal of the scene. And there's that pause that you give and you sort of give that kind of very sort of like odd shrug of like, uh, I don't know what the f*** to say to this guy, but he's clearly a bad man. That was so perfectly nailed, I thought. What is what is with There well, you go. That, you. Well, that's that, your compliment. Well, listen, that was the exact intent. That's is what he asked every me to song do you've I... ever made great? No. But that scene... <laughs> <laughs> but that scene nailed it. I nailed it. He left it in the movie. I must have. Must have. You know, he left it in. He, he definitely cut a bunch of shit out. So exactly. that was on the chopping block, but it was left in. Me and Dasha Polanco. Yeah. More acting? Yeah. I was just in the uh, King of Staten Island, mm-hmm. Judd Apatow, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, my guys. In, uh, Pete Davidson? Pete Davidson, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was an amazing experience. I got to be in the movie with Joe Pesci and the Irishman. Yep. And then Marissa Tomei. In uh, King of Staten Island, and my, we know I like to tell everybody my favorite movie is My Cousin Vinny. One of my first so ever crushes. One of my com- first ever crushes as a young as a young person was Marissa Tomei. It's because she knew about talk, and she knew how to fucking fix cars. <laughs> and she had that streak. She was hot. She's amazing. Bill Burr, love it. It was a great time. I had such an amazing time. Dominique Lombardazzi. Loved it. You know, when we, uh, you FaceTime me, it was three days late. You're, by the way, Action, if anyone's listening or watching this, is a very punctual human being when it comes to communication. If you're lucky enough to be able to have direct line to action, he will be very direct with you and he'll come back to you quick. He's a, he's, he's tactile with his comms. Um, but you were late. You were two, three or four days late on this one. And I was like, hmm, interesting. He's being a bit, maybe he's, maybe he's off the radar for a bit. But no, it turns out you wanted to FaceTime video me back so that I could see the full reveal, which was the beard was gone and you lost about a thousand pounds. Um, <laughs> it's been, <laughs> I, was just like, wow. I still have a screenshot of it. I shamelessly was fucking double clicking left, right and center to try and get that. Well, it didn't can tell me because now you know apple lets you know when someone takes the screenshot you must have turned that function off nah with all your all your connections you can trust me that's why did i fucking instagram it no <laughs> i'm not that kind of kid i just stare at it you know privately and giggle and giggle to myself beautiful uh, no it's incredible yeah, man and lost some weight, you man. lost some weight man and and look I'm not one of these people that judges lifestyle, right? I mean, unless you're hurting other people, then yeah, I'm, I might get in between you and that. But if you're, if you're just kind of like getting into a place where you've got to learn for yourself, and I don't think it's getting to a point of tragedy, then yeah. you, have, you have time and space to do that. That's a human right. Now, I say that because part of the charm of, of, of a cooking show is to have someone who enjoys food, but there have been times I've watched the show and I have been concerned Maybe, maybe unreasonably, given that we're only really becoming closer by the by the day. But I was concerned. I was like, I don't want this guy to like get sick. Like he's getting bigger and bigger. So the fact that you lost so much weight was amazing. I was super, super stoked for you. And I wonder yeah, what, the, what what the turning point was for you because you're over the hump now, bro. I mean, you're literally on the on the sliding scale into full scale health. Yeah, I mean, on paper, I'm really fucking healthy, which is which is good. That's yeah. that's a good that's a good thing. 
Yeah, it was. It, it could have been tragic. You never know. You know that could be devastating. Did you feel like it was getting bad? Did you in your body and in your? That's in- the problem. No. Yeah. You, you know. You know. You're fat as, but you, it doesn't feel like it's devastating. But you know, I was hurting other people. I was hurting my family. Mm. You know, I was hurting my family. You never. You know, any anything could happen at that time. At that point, you're 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 taking it out of your hands. You're you not know? equipped. Yeah. You're not equipped. You're taking it out of your hands and. It, my lady and my baby were going to go to Colombia before all this crazy shit happened. She was scheduled to go March 12th. March 11th. Yeah, I know. That's the day. And, you know, it was like the day before. Yeah, but we didn't realize how crazy it was, you know, but she was going to go. So before that, a week before that, she bought a scale because, you know, the dog was a little fat. So we had to make sure that the fucking dog was a good way to go there. We had to you know, make her lose weight a little bit. So I got on the fucking scale that she brought home and I'm just was like, what the hell? I was devastated. I, my fucking heart sunk from that day forward, man. I hadn't, I haven't gotten off track. Focus. From that day forward. I mean, yeah, I've lost 80 pounds and wow. it's like a different type of, you know, some people lose 80 pounds, a different type of 80 pounds. I feel like, I feel great. Cardio game is getting crazy. You know, you look I'm incredible. Crazy. You can always tell. But I, I can always. Still, I'm still fat. I'm 285. You know, so look, but like the, 363, 285. What's it so been? Four months? Come on, man. Come on. Yeah. And also, by the way, I, if this is how I mean. you, I've spent 36 years doing this. Now I can't expect it to all happen right if away. If you want to spend the rest of your life dedicated to a healthy lifestyle, then. A year of hard work to get to a point where you can maintain it with ease is nothing. That's a drop in the ocean. And at the end of the day, exactly. you can always t- I can always tell by the eyes and by the complexion. You got light in your eyes, which you've always kind of had light in your eyes, but you've really got light in your eyes and your complexion. Like you, you, there's a glow. There is a healthiness to the way you look. I mean, that's cutting out all sugar. That's cutting out red meats. That's cutting out meat in general. That's cutting out wow, like a so lot of you're stuff and drinking. Pescatarian? No, I don't even eat fish. You're vegetarian. I would say that, you know, sometimes I take some protein shakes that can have, I don't know if it's, uh, it's not vegan protein, unfortunately, but. Some kind of marrow. The thing is, I'm not, I'm not totally strict. I'm just cutting out to see what works for me. Great. You know what I mean? It's all about what works for you, and it, you don't have to listen well, to anybody we else. We watched about- Mayhem struggle with that on the new season, man, because he created parameters exactly, for himself. Exactly, and you see, you saw what type he created the parameters for himself, but he stuck to it. He was a ve- he was a vegan for a year. Mm. You know, he felt good, but that that's not sustainable. Mm. You know, for him, for he, it wasn't sustainable for him. He's back eating. You know, he has to eat shrimp. He has to. <laughs> he, must. he must. He has to eat seafood. He must. But. For me, it's a lifestyle. I can't, you know, I'm not, I can't fucking go crazy. I was compounding all kinds of crazy sh- foods, desserts, sodas. Nobody should do that. Nobody is just like, especially when you're, uh, you know, on the spectrum, so to say, of being extremely very fat. <laughs> my <and> dying. <laughs> my, my family universally love you, right? Like we, we watch you as a family and there were definitely times even through the entertainment and the camaraderie and the joy of watching FTD that, that, that there would be moments where someone on the couch would be like, oh my God, how much are these guys going to keep eating? And, and you yeah, know, I know, I see. It, is, it part, is genuine concern. It's It's part of this thing of like, okay, what part of this is format and what part of this is function? It was force feeding, bro. It was force feeding. But the problem is, 
everything was so good. You know, like I, everything is so good. You're just overindulgent. You're drunk. You're fucking high. You're chilling. You're fucking making money off rap music and rap concerts like that. I'm not fucking worried about nothing. I'm just living. Mm. You know, I'm not worried about my health. Like I love to work out. I always loved working out, but I forgot about that shit when I'm doing all the other things. Yeah. You know. And so I need to just have discipline in my own life. You well, know what I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not, I'm not addicted to that type of. Like I don't like like that. I like hash, you know. Yeah, I, I'm. A, I love hash. It's not a, I'm a. It's my lifestyle. If you're dialed into your own, this is a nice way to wrap up. If you're dialed into your own sense of self-awareness and self-worth, even somewhere deep down because you're going through some kind of narcissistic era, which human beings, if you're lucky enough, you get a chance to indulge in a narcissistic era. But if you are self-aware enough and have a good heart, then the, the generally speaking, the one thing that brings that to a crashing close is fatherhood or motherhood. Becoming a parent is the thing that draws a line through a ton of that stuff if you're self-aware enough to create greater awareness. So that's what it was, right? And I know you're already a father and I know that, you know, you're proud of your kids. We've spoken about this off mic. Absolutely. But you've got a new baby now as well to add to your brood. And I guess that this is the the great definer. Not only children, but psychedelics, let me just put it that way, has helped a lot, you know, to be for real so opening up about you know opening up about who you are and about you know self-awareness speaking of like i would say if we're playing madden and i was a character my self-awareness would be now i'd be in the 99 club straight up i'd have crazy self-awareness because i know when i'm an asshole i know when i'm doing some good i know it all and even when i'm up i'm catching myself in the act you know what I mean? I have that conscious where I'm always self-conscious, self-aware, you know, mm. having the children. I mean, that's where a lot of drive comes from as well. You know, may, wanting to make sure that they have a life better than you have and never have to worry about anything because mm. daddy's going to always provide mm. and just all the, all the, all the things that have been instilled in, in, in me as a, as a youth that daddy provides, you know, you must provide at all times and protect at mm. all times. Mm. So having a brand new baby at this age, I wasn't ready when I was young. I wasn't ready when I had my other children. All the, like I said, all this stuff has prepared me for him. And I'm, I'm just, I want him to have the best life possible. I want him to have the best life, have the most opportunity in life and fucking, you know, just everything good you want for your children. You want everything to go right. I've had relationships in my personal life with my parents where relationships have improved over time, no question about it, and um, without going into too much detail. And um, it's never too late. And and I suppose, yeah, you know, it's great to to recognize that you weren't prepared at at stage one, but but being at stage two now must really make you value and realize that, that there's still so much life to live with your other children and with what you've already created. I mean... My daughter should be a fucking A and R. I swear to you, she knows all the best hip hop act, all the new guys that are gonna come out and be hot. She has great taste. She knows music. She's like a papa. She knows music. I get to go to the gym with my child, watch him play ball and work out and say crazy things and have 
deep conversations. It's a beautiful thing, you know, beautiful thing. being able to actually converse with your children. You know, right now, my baby's screaming, ah, ah, ah. can't say shit. But now, when he gets that age, you know, you could really have heart-to-hearts and connect. And it's, it's really all about the connection. It's always about trying to make the connection stronger and doing everything that you can to make that connection stronger. You connect with the ones that you want to connect with, bro. You know, you stay, you always stay in touch with the ones that you love. Love you, man. Love you too, my brother. Thank you for this. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. You know, our friendship has been built on all of these wonderful accoutrements that come through life, rap, food, humor. You introduced me to natural wine. I'll be forever grateful for that. That should get you twist fast and is delicious. And no hangover. No hangover. Well, you drink enough of it, bro. <laughs> drink enough of it. Nah, you can't tell shit. me the day after chicken wing gate. You can't tell me the day after you stood on that rooftop eating chicken, rubbing chicken wings around the rim that you didn't wake up feeling a little off. You can't, I won't believe that. I woke up at 6 a.m. like a fucking bandit. Lifted a fire I was ready truck. to run. I'm serious. I feel great. I wanted to uh, allow us the space to continue to indulge in the accoutrement of humor, rap, music, food, and life by having this respectful conversation so we truly know each other even deeper. And I love you for it. Thank you for your time, brother. You're the best, Zane. You too, Be good, all right? There he is. Painter, culinary artist, rapper, actor. That's right. He did scenes with De Niro, directed by Scorsese. Everything the man touches, I got to say, I'm a fan of. And hopefully you were of that conversation right there. Me and old baby blue himself, a.k.a. a forest falls in a tree, a.k.a. the Albanian Superman, a.k.a. Flushing Queens. I'll stop right there. I could go on for hours. Uh, All right. Subscribe right here and there'll be another conversation showing up without you even having to think about it. And I appreciate that you don't.